So you're actually not killing two flies <laughs> with one clap. I don't know how it goes. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a very German, oh, German thing to say. Okay, then we just cut that. Hi everyone, welcome to Mastering Veganism. I'm your host Maggie, and I'm here with my co-host Damien. Hi everybody. First of apologies, we were supposed to air two weeks ago, but we've been very inconsistent in posting our episodes, so we've decided to do it once a month instead, so you will find our episode every first Monday of the month. So this way we can give you more regular content. And... Today's episode is going to be the second part of the question series, and we're going to talk about how our ancestors ate animals too, and how we can't just improve the lives of animals, and how veganism relates to human rights. But before we dive into it, we got two questions from our audience. The first question we got from Marco, and he argues that plants have feelings too. It's an interesting one, actually. And... I've heard that a lot myself. So to address this question, I think there's two points we need to look into. One is, do plants have feelings? And the other one is, even if, what would it mean? And how does veganism relate to that? So on the on the part one, I think modern science is not quite sure whether, you know... Actually, it's probably not about feelings, but more can they feel pain? Because yeah. feelings, if I think of feelings, it's more like... Are they sad? Are they happy? Are they anxious? Are they angry? And I think we can all agree that plants most likely do not have feelings. Yeah, they probably don't have this kind of abstract way of thinking yeah, about themselves the as individuals. Yeah. They, they might feel pain, but then again, there's not really a central brain to perceive and process pain. Mm -hmm. But let's go for a second with the assumption that even if it was true. And... Here's the big misconception. Vegans eat plants. So basically, you heard them, right? Mm -hmm. what, what people neglect when they talk about this in that way is that if you eat meat, the cows you eat are being fed with plants. So you end up killing five to ten times more plants eating meat than if you would just eat the plants. Yeah. So I think there's very simple math. Mm -hmm. I mean... Even if you would assume that plants have feelings, then even as a vegan you would hurt some plants, yes. But it's way less pain you cause than by eating meat. Yeah. And this is not even considering the animals. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we, we don't want to hurt nature and we don't want to hurt plants if it's unnecessary as well. But the amount of pain in that sense that you cause is a lot less on a vegan diet. Yeah, as yeah. simple as that. I hope that answers your question, Marco. And the second question I got was from Kara, and she's gotten into a few arguments now because she flies as a vegan. And she asked us, how do you argue that? Or how do you respond to someone attacking you for flying? And I think that's also really interesting because people just assume because you're vegan that you have to be perfect in every aspect of your life, which is just simply nonsense. Vegans aren't perfect either, and flying doesn't devalue all the good things that you're doing by being on a vegan diet or by living a vegan lifestyle. So again, this comes down to simple math. 
flying causes environmental damage, so does eating meat. If you cut one, there is less environmental damage. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of non-vegans try to find the fault in other vegans and trying to devalue their efforts, basically. Yeah, I think that's, you know, typical human behavior. If people are confronted with the fact that you're not perfect, rather than just try to fix it, it's much easier to find the flaws in mm -hmm. the other person. So like, yeah, you're not perfect, you're flying, right? No vegan claims that they're perfect. Yeah, I mean, frankly, I also never claim to be an environmentalist. Yeah. I, I Actually, never said that. Yeah, that's such a good point. People think that vegans are automatically also environmentalists, which isn't really the case. Yeah. And, and then again, I mean, we talk about this later, but being vegan has a huge impact on the environment and it's actually such an easy thing to do. Yeah, so true. So yeah, hope that helps. Otherwise, let us know. And if you have any questions yourself, please let us know um, on www.masteringveganism.com or just drop us a direct message on Instagram at mastering.veganism. So let's dive into our questions. These are questions that we got from Earthling Ed's ebook, which I can absolutely recommend every question you've ever had on veganism or questions that you're confronted with or arguments that you're confronted with, he will have covered in that book. And also it's quite a good read. He's a very good writer. He is. So the first argument that we get a lot is our ancestors ate animals too, and it helped us evolve. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily untrue. It made us survive during times where food was a scarce. But does it justify eating animals in a society where we have other things to eat? I mean, what's clear is that humanity evolved while they were eating meat. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily imply a causation of the, these two things. Mm-hmm. But the question is, why are we basing our morality on the actions of our ancestors? Yeah, that's the main question here. Our ancestors also murdered and raped people. And they lived in caves. And they lived in caves, right? So why are we basing our morality on them? It just doesn't make much sense these days. And we can't choose and pick what actions from the past we want to continue just because it suits our narrative. Yeah. I mean, you know, the whole... The saying, actually, I hear it a lot in business as well. Yeah, that's how we've done it always. Mm -hmm. Or that's how we've always done it. And then it comes to mind, yeah, because you've always done it wrong doesn't mean you should change it now. And also, if we base our principles based on that, I mean, we should really start today abandoning women's rights. We should go back to slavery. I mean, <laughs> Turn back to living in caves. Yeah, abandon cable TV. Because that's how our ancestors used to live. Like, let's get rid of our whole legal system because they didn't have it back then. Exactly. And just because it helped us survive during a time where food was scarce doesn't mean that it was necessarily healthy either. Because studies have shown that consuming animal products in general will cause us to form diabetes or Alzheimer's or coronary heart diseases. So it shows that we're actually dying younger while consuming meat. Also, I think it's a question of quantity. Because if you go back a few 10,000 years, 
people wouldn't eat meat three times a day. There were、yeah. no refrigerators, and you know it was simply logistically not possible to eat meat all day long, twenty four seven. So they eat meat once in a while, and the rest of their nutrition was more or less vegan because、yeah. there was no animal agriculture, so there was no milk, and you only had meat when you went out hunting, which was not every day, and then you couldn't store the meat.、Mm-hmm. So you did eat mainly berries, nuts, and seeds. Yeah, and insects. And insects, yeah, things that you could easily find. And and also, like, you know, if you come back to the question, they eat, they ate meat. Yes, they were hunters and gatherers. They were not animal livestock agriculturalists. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go to the next supermarket and got themselves a pack of I don't know bacon wrapped in plastic. Wrapped in plastic. Yeah. yeah. Should we dive into how there are also other theories on how our brains evolved? Ah,、uh, we could. It's funny. Yeah. So okay, one of them is that. They actually really just started developing when we started eating starchy foods and more carbohydrate dense foods. That's one of the theories, and the other one is actually that our ancestors started eating hallucinogenic mushrooms, which allowed us to access parts of our brain which were previously completely unexplored. So we kind of opened a new part of our consciousness. It's actually a pretty interesting theory. If you're interested in the whole topic of hallucinogenic drugs and its impact on our society and、um, how it shapes our brain, really, yeah, it, there's a very interesting book by Michael Pollan, "How to Change Your Mind." It's actually one of the best books I've ever read. And also, he talks about the potential influence of hallucinogenic drugs on、uh, the whole hippie movement in the '60s and '70s. Oh yeah, forgot that part. It's really interesting. If you're interested in how this could have potentially developed our brains the way that we know it now, definitely give it a read. I mean, we're not telling you to take drugs if that's if that's how it came across. It's just a very interesting read. So there was one part in Earthling Ed's book which I'm just gonna quote right out of it because I thought it was put really nicely. He says. Now, undoubtedly, eating animals helped us survive through times of food scarcity. But just as the very foundations of much of our society was built upon slavery, doesn't justify slavery in today's world. The fact that eating animals helped us to get to this point or helped us to survive in the past doesn't justify eating animals in today's world. Our actions from the past just don't justify our actions in today's world. So now, if someone asks you. Or argues that our ancestors ate meat too. How do you respond to that? So one question that you can ask them is: Do you think it is wise to base our morality on the actions of our primitive ancestors? Or you can ask if it's morally justifiable to eat animals because our ancestors used to do it. Does that not mean that it must also be morally justifiable to kill each other, just as our ancestors used to do it as well? No. So these are just two questions that you can ask someone if you're in an argument. So, onto our next one is: Can't we just improve the lives of animals? And this one comes in very different shapes and forms. So, us personally, we used to buy organic and free-range eggs, free-range beef, organic-fed whatever. And we thought that we were doing something good with that. We were thinking that the animals that we're consuming must have had a really happy and fulfilled life, which 
we now know was complete BS. It's funny, it's actually the first thing most people tell me once they learn that I'm vegan. They're like, oh yeah, I'm not vegan, but I only buy meat from like the small farms. I only buy the free range eggs. It's like, always the same. Immediately people start to justify themselves. And it actually shows that people are compassionate. They they probably buy these free range and organic foods because they care about the animal. So in the back of their heads, they do want to do something good for the animal because they're compassionate beings and they don't want to harm animals. Uh, but the thing is, these animals, they're not stroked to death, you know, like cuddled to death. <laughs> At the end of the day, they all end up in the same slaughterhouse. So they all die. And the question is, can you humanely kill an animal? And it sounds paradox. And obviously, when you think about the word humane, it means to do something with compassion. And you can't compassionately kill another being. It's not even just about the killing. I think it goes far beyond that. It's really about, do you have the right to manipulate another being's life from start to the end for your own benefit? Mm -hmm. I mean, a killing is one part of it. But then again, I don't think animals would choose to live the lives they do. Yeah. If they weren't kept. Mm -hmm. Like, is it our right to breed animals into existence and confine them? into a certain space just for our own benefit. So actually a really good example of what I'm trying to say here is the Yulin Dog Meat Festival. I think I mentioned in the last episode, but every year there is a festival where they kill and torture dogs and cats. And every year you have petitions that say we want to stop the Yulin Dog Meat Festival. But what you never see is no one ever campaigns for them to live free range to be killed more humanely to i don't know have bigger cages they say they want to have the festival abolished so this just proves the point that people understand that living in a confined place serving us a purpose is just not a life to live for an animal mm. the the only difference is that humans are trained to make a sharp distinction between dogs, which is a pet, yeah. and animals we use for agriculture. Yeah, it's just a, it's perception, really. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's it. Also, actually, free-range and organically held meats is actually a lot more environmentally damaging than the smaller productions in that sense, because you need a lot more land, you need a lot more water, you need a lot more of everything and also organic feed is also more expensive. So if all the animals in the world were held to an organic standard, we wouldn't actually have enough space for every everything and it would be too expensive. Most people have a very wrong idea of what free range means. Mm -hmm. so they probably imagine like, you know, there's five, five hens on like a huge space of green pasture, you know, <laughs> looking for coins. That's not at all how it looks like. It's probably better than cage bread chickens, but it's definitely not a nice way to no. live. Being confined to a very tight space with tens of thousands of other chickens fighting for food 
having other dead chickens just lying on the ground mm -hmm. because like there's there's a certain number I think of how many dead chickens per like living chicken is acceptable. Yeah, it's just so, a marketing plot really. Yeah, it helps consumers to ease their mind mm -hmm. and they're willing to pay for that. Yeah. But then again, there will be people that argue, well, okay, I don't I don't eat chicken at all anymore, but I eat beef from my, I don't know, from the farm next door. But then again, it is not our right to exploit animals at all. Just because they live out in the field doesn't make it acceptable for us to take their life in the end. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. All right, so this was our second question. And now to the last one which is how veganism stands in relation to human rights. Now, I also get this a lot. A lot of people argue, why do you care about veganism? We have a lot bigger problems than animals being killed for food. I mean, yeah, we have a lot of big problems, but the great thing about veganism is that you can do it in such a passive manner. Literally, it's just as easy as not consuming animal products. You can still be a humanitarian, you can still work in a homeless shelter, you can still build up schools and hospitals, you can do all that by being vegan. You don't have to be an animal rights activist in order to be vegan. Yeah, it's not a trade-off. Right? Yeah. It, being vegan doesn't consume your time, so you can mm -hmm. be vegan and do whatever you would have done. Anyway. What a lot of people forget when they say that is that actually a lot of the big problems we have nowadays are in some way tied to animal agriculture. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's take... The Amazon deforestation. Yeah. We already talked about this, yeah. but... Mostly because of animal agriculture. Let's look at CO2 levels. Not only because of animal agriculture, but animal agriculture plays a big part in that mm -hmm. too. Then we have human rights issues like workers in slaughterhouses that have the highest rates of suicide than in any other profession. They show signs of PTSD. They have anxiety. They have, a lot of times, they have drug and alcohol abuse. So a lot of these things would just automatically fall away if yeah. the whole world were vegan. There's a lot of like humanitarian issues with leather production as well. According to Earthling Ed's book, there's a big issues with leather workers in India and Bangladesh where most of them die before the age of 50. Yeah, 90%. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also, what I personally find really shocking is that we currently have enough food to feed around 12 million people, and yet we're only 7.5 billion, while 800 million people around the world live in a state of starvation. Now, people argue, well, okay, this has nothing to do with animal agriculture. But alone, the United States could feed all the starving people in the world with the animal feed that they're growing. And also, what is shocking is that 82% of the starving children live in countries where food is grown to feed livestock animals. I mean, they're often exported as well. But by being vegan, you would actually end the unfair distribution of food. I mean, I wouldn't go as far and say you end it because there's also the whole problematic of different countries having different incomes and import and export. Mm -hmm. um, but it would definitely help. Yeah. I mean, obviously, veganism is not the solution to every world's problem. But as mentioned, it could help with a lot of issues that we're currently facing. 
and also just like s saying we have bigger problems than animals it's just a bad excuse because yeah. again back to the first point it's not a trade-off mm -hmm. you can be vegan and save the world in all other aspects yeah. but it's also such an ill-informed argument it just shows that the person hasn't really put any effort into researching the topic it's just something that people say and also what's funny is it usually comes from people that don't do anything for anybody other than themselves <laughs> it's just another attempt to attack you in your moral base it usually comes from people that are not trying to solve any of the before mentioned problems in any way it's just like normal consumerist people that try to attack you and now Earthling Ed wrote a really nice ending sentence, which I can really relate to. And he says, Going vegan allows us to become more in touch with our innate compassion. If we all went vegan, society would naturally become more loving and gentle. How could we hurt another human being if as a society we felt that inflicting suffering onto a chicken was immoral? And this is something that I really felt to the very core of my soul because once I turned vegan I felt like I just opened a barrier that was blocking my compassion for such a long time. I felt a lot more capable of love towards not just my fellow human beings but also obviously the animals. I felt a lot more connected to nature and I think it's true if we all just became vegan we would be a lot more loving as a society. Yeah. <laughs> well said, Maggie. That's my input. Well, well said. <laughs> so, if you're confronted with this excuse, you could just simply try asking, do you think it's strange that we have enough food to feed 56 billion land animals every year, yet there are 800 million people currently living in a state of starvation? A lot of people don't know this fact, so it will be a quite staggering statistic for them. Yeah. That's uh, one of the questions that you can ask. And the other one is that you could just simply state how passive of an action veganism can actually be by just eliminating animal products from your life. You can still do all the other things. It's actually much easier than people think. Now that's it. <laughs> uh, we answered all these three questions. If you have questions, let us know. We might actually do another part three question series next month we'll see how the feedback is and if there are a lot of questions that need to be answered yeah do you have anything else to say Damien? no i'm hungry i'm also hungry we're gonna have breakfast now and yeah i think that's it what are we having we're having oatmeal bread that i just made with some cashew cheese avocado tomatoes yeah i think that's it all right, so speak to you on the first Monday of May.